the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, new focusing on wealth or something along those lines. Um, wealth is a funny term. I think at one point in time, when you're a child, you think, I want to grow up to be wealthy. But then when you become wealthy, you're like, ooh, don't tell people I'm wealthy. Something like that, right? We're going to talk theory. We're going to talk angles. We're going to talk the algebra of wealth, getting you there. I think most of the time it takes time to become a successful investor or maybe a wealthier individual. I don't know. It's not coming out right, but we'll figure it out. Um, Stimulus checks are going out, and that's going to give a big boost to the economy because people spend money. That's something that I've been saying for years. If we have jobs, we get paycheck every two weeks. And boy, do you remember that first job you had when you were 16 years old scooping ice cream and you hated it. You went go home dirty and filthy or you washed dishes. But when that paycheck came and you, you went to the bank with a piece of paper and you stood in line and you put your $213.64 into your bank account, that was nice. And you'd ask the teller, can you tell me what my total balance is? And she says, of course. And she'd go get that little piece of paper and she'd put it in the printer and they go, and you're like, woo. And you're like, what am I going to do with my $292? That's how low I get on my bench, you know, kind of thing. Um, it, it was, it's just very odd to even think about. So 90 million American households have now received their third stimulus checks. And that has to be a good feeling for a lot of people. If this is your first time really being cognizant of what are you going to do when you retire, don't spend that money all right away. Start thinking about it. This is going to be an odd story. And I'm piecing together like a childhood memory of going to the bank and what a great feeling of getting funds put into my account. How about that 20-year-old Rob who moved in with a girlfriend? And we sat across from each other and like, okay. We've got rent of $800. Um, How are we going to pay that? And you'd sit down and do a budget, and the budget would come out of your bank account, right? But it was kind of fun. And as you got older in life, everything became a little bit more automated, which I'm a big fan of automation, especially when it comes to paychecks. When it comes to investing, probably the best thing I did was when I was 18, I got a mutual fund and I took money out of my bank every two weeks. Was it every two weeks? It was every month. And it would go straight into my mutual fund. 
And every month I'd see my statement. Um, I know this is going to sound weird, but the mutual fund that I had was the Robertson Stevens Information Age. And I'd get the Washington Post and go to the business section and take a look at my mutual fund and see where it was. Okay, so it closed at 119.42, and last week it was at 116.22, and I have 10 shares. And I'd, I'd do the math. I'm like, ooh, good, 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 good. It, it skewed the way or it changed the way I was thinking about wealth. No longer was I living under mom and dad's house, roof. My approach was, was quite different. So when you get that check, it's a lot of money. Think about it. Think about your budget. Um, I saw that restaurants are reopening big time in California right now. And in the last year, I've spent a lot more money on entertainment. HBO Max, Disney Plus, Netflix. It starts to add up, right? And I'm, which ones am I forgetting? You know, right? And you're like, wait, wait, am I paying for stuff? Did I really pay for the WWE or did my kids do that? Um, so start thinking about it. if I'm going to shift into restaurants where, you know, a chicken sandwich costs 20 bucks versus at my home where it costs six bucks, I need to start thinking about my money again in different ways. Um, overpaying your bills. That's always an interesting one for me. Um, credit cards, probably once a year, I just wipe out my balances. You don't get charged interest if you carry your balance forward. But you do if you start building on it. Your average monthly balance is okay, right? Um, so I'm starting to like, I'm starting to become cognizant again. I'm looking at my money again and go, okay, do I need the Chase Sapphire Preferred or do I need the Reserve credit card? Am I gonna, I can, I don't know if you know this, but if you get one of those credit cards that's like pretty expensive, like with those $400 ones, but they give you all these crazy perks like TSA. Well, last year I wasn't gonna go through TSA, so I, I downgraded my tier. I got a little less rewards for it, but why pay $450 when I could pay nothing? This year I may upgrade it again because you get that $300 free room one night and that $100 TSA security and other perks, better points per se. But it's, now is a great time to start re-looking at your finances. Um, I've got a friend who, he's the sweetest man on the earth, and he's got the sweetest lady on the planet. Um, <clears throat> but as he's aging, I, I don't know if there's enough focus on retirement. And I would caution at this point in time, now that we're starting to think about going back to work, now that we're starting to think about getting our vaccination, now that we're getting stimulus checks, it's probably a good time to re-examine things. And again, you don't have to do it today, just soon. Um, I spent way too much on media in the last year. What did he spend too much on? I know one guy who, like I said, you know, he's a sweet guy. Um, and everyone's struggling with the pandemic. Um, I completely expect to come out. To, I, I am working out of my office in the back. And it's a little path, to, a little rocky path that I have to go down. And it's fenced in. But I completely expect to come back to my office at some point in time and see like a, a, a six-point buck so like outside, it's just it's a weird, stressful time. And I think I'm, I'm meant to see a big old deer. I know that makes no sense to you, but mentally I'm like, my mental health isn't great. It's not bad. But I have some up days and I have some down days. Great time during this transition back to maybe reality. Although, just for the record, it's not going to be reality. It just isn't. 
Um, there's going to be people that wear masks forever. It's, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, I looked at Rite Aid's quarterly earnings yesterday. Rite Aid, they don't have a lot of them in California, so let me give a, a quick thought. Uh, CVS is dominant on the West Coast, as is Walgreens. CVS is dominant across the whole United States. Walgreens is more of a West Coast thing. Rite Aid is more of an East Coast thing, but you do see some Rite Aids on the West Coast, but not very many. And Rite Aid's on the East Coast, and it's a little bit more dense of city on top of city on top of city. You don't really quite get the rolling mountains quite as much as you do in California. I went to the beaches in California last weekend, and I couldn't even see people. It was nice. You go to any beach on the East Coast, and it's people on top of people. Um, but Rite Aid said in the last it, uh, we're, it's March, right? Um, they're like, well, cold and flu season's starting to wrap up, and we had an awful cold and flu season. People didn't get the cold and flu this year. Why? Because we wore masks and we stayed away from each other. And we washed our hands probably more in 2020 than we have in our whole entire lives. Interesting, right? Do I see that, that habit sticking for some people? I do. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe the hand washing more so than the wearing the masks, but... Uh, people are stressed right now. They've changed their behaviors. Schools are opening back up. They're doing two hours of school starting next week in California. For a lot of people, it takes you 30 minutes to drive to school and 30 minutes to get back home and 30 minutes to drive back to school to pick up your kid and 30 minutes back home. So the parents are going to be doing two hours of driving so the kids can sit in class for two hours. Very strange times psychologically. It's a good time to readjust and get focused back again on your money issues. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money talking wealth. I fell into a clickbait issue the other day that I thought was kind of interesting. You know how when you're checking on sports scores online, you see a headline, you're like, celebrities who could no longer afford their lavish lifestyle. And I was like, I want to see that because I could think of Gary Coleman. He's dead, right? I'm not quite sure, but I think he is. You think about how we idolize stars from being a child because they were wealthy. They were glamorous. It's interesting. When you learn how much money they actually have, sometimes you're a little disappointed. You're like, huh, I thought it would have been more. Because you see a $4 million Beverly Hills home, and you're like, you're living in a $200,000, 1,200-square-foot house. You're like, I want to live in Beverly Hills. But it's interesting to watch. And some of these stories are good, like Brett Butler, 1993. And it's total clickbait. I'm probably getting spyware while I'm talking to you right now. The Chinese and the Russians are probably going through my bank accounts. But Brett Butler, 1993 TV show, Grace Under Fire, made a lot of money. But she had an addiction problem. Lost it all. Ed McMahon, who was one of the original television celebrities... In my world, staying up, wanting to watch Johnny Carson. 
Didn't he die with no money? He kind of did. He hosted um, The Tonight Show. He hosted a game show, Who Do You Trust? He had Star Search, which he got some pretty good credit for. But a bad home loan and a divorce leaves him with nothing. You can see it again and again and again. And I think we have something to learn from it. Sinbad. Do you remember Sinbad? Sometimes in my head, I get Sinbad and Arsenio Hall confused. Only because I wasn't really all that. I was more worried about girls when they were prominent than I was about comedians. But I know he did Necessary Roughness. I know he did Good Burger. I know he did House Guests. He did Jingle All the Way. He did HBO specials. Um, he got a tax bill because he didn't pay his taxes. You can learn lessons from watching other people fall. Um, there was one year where I was like, and even this year, I, I, I still have to do my taxes. Even though last week I was like, hey, we get an extra month. I, I'm still like, I'm, I'm dragging my feet on getting the paperwork together because then I have to go to UPS and send it off to my CPA. I'm just dragging my feet because I don't want to go out. I don't want to leave the house. I don't want to like COVID mingle. How about Michael Jackson? Oh, and by the way, never mess with the IRS. Michael Jackson, he was the king of pop. Terrible debt when he died. He made over $400 million in his life. And at one point in time, his Neverland home was about to be foreclosed on. He took out loans that he thought, or I'm not going to put words in his mouth, he couldn't pay back. Um, he was tied up in the wrong places for a guy who made $400 million. And that brings up like, I own a second home. And it was one of the best things about the pandemic. And my financial planner, a guy named Brad, he works with CFP Chad Burton at EP Wealth. He said, Rob, get it. He said, you, you have the flexibility and your kids will love it. You'll teach them how to ski. They'll have a life lesson and they'll learn about rivers and creeks. He goes, my parents got a, a, a cabin and it was awesome. And they really could. He's like, it's a life experience, but it also ties up your money. And if I need that money, I better count on selling it at a loss. It's not going to be sold at a loss, but it could have. But I had to go into it knowing that. Um, I couldn't name one T-Pain song. And I told you, I, I hit a clickbait website that said, celebrities who can no longer afford their lavish lifestyle. But T-Pain had a song called Epiphany, hit number one. Don't know it. He won two Grammy Awards. And he went from having $40 million in the bank account. He had a $40 million bank account to having to borrow money to get his kids Burger King. Um, he even won the first season of The Masked Singer. Who knew? Isaac Hayes, isn't he the voice of Chef on South Park? Or wasn't he the voice of, uh, you know, he had this amazing Rock and Roll Hall of Fame career. He went bankruptcy in 1976. Now, sometimes you kind of see that. He did the song The Shaft, which is probably one of the greatest songs ever that none of us could say, oh, that was Isaac Hayes. It, in Music Jeopardy, I would I would fail badly. Um, he mismanaged his money. He had insane spending. He put too much trust in other people. Do you see why I'm doing this segment? 
things that will get you financially in trouble. David Cassidy, Keith Partridge. I think he was a hardy boy too, wasn't he? I didn't grow up in America, so this is tough for me to sometimes get all the pop culture references. He did the I Think I Love You song. Number one in the world. But DUIs, alcohol abuse, and a divorce cost him to sell off everything. Oh, and he died of liver uh, failure? Liver and kidney failure in 2017. That's a lot of alcohol. Your liver is one of the most dynamic organs in your body. It could actually heal itself, I think. Uh, that's a lot of alcohol. And again, one of the most famous people in the world dies broke. Gary Coleman, his parents and business advisor mismanaged his money. He was making $70,000 per episode. What you talking about, Willis? That famous dumb line, $70,000 an episode. And when you hear like the cast of Friends are making $100,000, you're like, uh, then they started making a million dollars an episode. And Ted dancing on Cheers in his final season is making a million. And you're like, I wonder how much he has. Um, he had a bad fall, had a seizure, and he died. Uh, went bankrupt in 1999. He was a security guard. Do you remember those stories? Like, how great is it that an incredibly short person, and I'm just, here I am taking, cancel Rob Black. He doesn't like short people. I love short people. But isn't it, like, you think of a security guard, and you're like, the image in your head is like a big old Bruce Willis with a badge. But no, your security guard is Gary Coleman. <laughs> I feel underwhelmed by that. Um, again, I'm not bringing up that segment to do anything other than to say and point out Marvin Gaye, probably some of the greatest songs ever, right? Sexual Healing, Let's Get It On, Heard It Through the Grapevine, Grammy Award winner, bankruptcy in 1976 after he failed to pay alimony to his ex-wife. Marriages, or I'm sorry, divorces, cars, homes are, are reasons people lose money. Uh, trusting family members, you get the idea. I could do this segment all day long because I think we all love pop culture and we all kind of love seeing our famous people fall. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I strangely like this song. Alice Merton opened up for the band The Bleachers. I saw them at Little Fox Theater in Oakland, which I'll be honest with you, I'm probably going to give them some money when I die or maybe before because I'm, I'm in the Clooney world. Clooney gave 17 or 19 of his friends a million dollars each because he's like, I can. Why not do it while I'm alive? Um, I love live music venues, and that isn't a part of Oakland that is extremely exciting. Oakland gets a bad rap. It's got some fantastic fantastic hotbeds of uh, restaurants and bars and nightlife and little fox is pretty awesome but i saw her open up for the bleachers and i feel bad the pandemic hit 
her career was kind of getting some traction. D- did it dismantle it? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how the music industry recovers. In my opinion. So I got an email yesterday. And it's disturbing me. So I'm going to share it with you. It comes from a man named Duke. Probably shouldn't say his name is Duke because I can only name one person named Duke other than Duke who sent me an email. Duke Nukem, video game. I don't know anyone named Duke. Maybe, oh, Duke Ellington, right? That would be a good winner. Um, How many Dukes can you name? The Duke game. So Duke, Duke's a pastor, there you go. Another celebrity who's gone bankrupt. Um, The John Schneider guy, the blonde of the two. I know you're saying, how could he be on a TV show and go bankrupt? Yeah. So Duke sends me an email. He says, good to see you on Channel 4 News. He says, your market updates are always interesting. I do a little spot every day at 9.15. If the people at Cron are paying attention, they record it and put it on Cron, and I take it and I put it on Facebook and YouTube and other places. Um, it just It's day by day. It's sometimes different. So Duke sends me an email. Nice to see you on the TV, blah, blah, blah. I have a question or two for you. I know everyone's situation is different. Um, he goes, the NASDAQ's been getting hammered recently. I've considered making some sales while there's still some profit available. Okay, we're going to point out something. I'll, I'll read it a second time. I'll read it a first time, then I'll read it a second time. The question I have, a few stocks that I'm holding just short of a year and some recent purchases as well. I want to figure out if I should wait until the upcoming year anniversary and thus make any sales profit a long-term gain versus a short-term gain. Is there a specific number tax for long-term sale, uh, long-term gains and for short-term gains? So you pay taxes on the length of how long you hold the stock. So if you hold it 30 days, you're going to pay a higher tax than if you hold it a year. Um, that's the idea. There's some complicated strategies that I don't talk about on radio where you could sell something like an Intel and buy something like an NVIDIA. So if you had a stock that underperformed, but you still wanted exposure to computers or semiconductors, you could do it like that. And you could write off some of your losses versus some of your gains. Again, everyone's tax situation is so different. I don't talk about it on radio. Um, he, he, he goes on. He goes, my other stocks are recent purchases of the last three to six months. However, I'm ready to sell those, hoping that the market may come back soon and will accept the short-term tax. Again, long-term will be within 45 days, which, blah, he, first, okay, I can't even get through this email. Um, it, it drives me insane. Um, okay, so he ends it with, I'm preparing for the Coinbase IPO. I think it'll be exciting and dangerous. This is such a messed up email. Him and I are from the different planets. Okay, so he said, good to see you on Channel 4 News. Thank you. He says, I have a question on some big picture advice. Mm. He's looking for a simple answer. Simple answers aren't always the best. Not when it comes to complicated money issues tied towards taxes. He didn't give me one name that he owns. He didn't give me one price point that he bought. So I have problems with this, okay? As the NASDAQ's been getting hammered recently, I've considered making some sales while there is still some profit available. First and foremost, who the hell is this guy? Like, is he is he smoking crack? 
crack is whack. The NASDAQ's not getting hammered. The NASDAQ has just had the greatest year ever. And you're two and a half months into the new year and you're thinking it's getting hammered. It's flat for the year. Flat is not down. So already I could tell you this guy's not wired correctly. Or what he's doing is he's buying momentum stocks like GameStop going from three to 430 and then it goes from 430 to 120 and he thinks it's getting hammered. It's gone from three to 120. Yeah, it had a, a little brief run up to 400. But you got to open your eyes. This guy is living in the now. This guy is like a shirtless Matthew McConaughey. He's trouble. Then he starts talking about taxes. First lesson I learned in finance and investing is old people hate to pay taxes. Okay, I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> I know I've busted on Gary Coleman being a short security guard. And now I'm saying old people don't like to pay taxes. Paying taxes is a sign of success. Sorry, that's what it is. Now, it means like some of it's offensive, like an estate tax by the government when you die. Oh, you, your heart stopped beating. We're going to tax you for that event. Even though we taxed your income when it came out, we're going to tax, we're double taxation. If I remember correctly, we did something called the Boston Tea Party. Double taxation without representation. I get it. It's offensive. And again, it's a success tax. Taxes mean you did something right. Now, again, you may disagree with the amounts. Yes, you do need to manage your tax set. And yes, he is asking some good questions about short-term tax gains versus long-term. But he should have that answer before he buys the damn stock. I'm angry at this guy now. I've now read through his email enough that I'm pissed off. Because my other stock purchases are in the last three to six months. However, I'm ready to sell those, hoping that the market may come back soon. And we'll accept a short-term tax. Okay, good that you're going to accept it because you're going to get hit with it. You've got a profit. That's just how the IRS rolls. But what I love in this that line is I'm hoping the market may come back soon. The market's not doing badly. We've got a, a $2 trillion of epic stimulus hitting right now. It's going to be fine. Now down the road when there's inflation, it may have a bad year. It may have two bad years. Hell, it may have three bad years. But the market goes up seven out of 10 years. The market's gone up with Nagasaki. It's gone up with Hiroshima. It's gone up with Black Lives Matter. It's gone up with Asian hate in America, Asian prejudice. It's gone up with a Republican president. It's gone up with a Democrat president. It's gone up with a Republican Congress, a Democrat Congress. It's gone up in higher taxes. It's gone up in lower taxes. It's gone up in World War I, World War II, Ebola. I can go on and on. I, I, who is, what, this guy's a, a, a monkey. He's a donkey. Eeyaw. So, again, just taking a look at it. Um, I'm holding a few just short of a year in purchases as well. My other stocks in the recent purchases of the last six, three, six months. I'm hoping the market may come back soon. There's one word there that I, I despise, hope. You better, ha- you better have a plan. It's really, really important. When I buy a stock, I come up with five reasons to buy a stock. I like the CEO. I like the management. 
and it's different for every sector and every every pick but i write them down because writing it makes it true writing it makes it this guy's flying by the sea. he's matthew McConaughey. he's making up the rules as he goes along i like the revenue i like the earnings i like the profit margins i like the product i like the lack of competition i write that stuff down and guess when i saw that stock when i don't like the management or the revenue or the earnings or the profit margins or the competition comes out with something better do you know how hard my job is it's not that hard but donkeys like him they they don't get it he thinks it's a game he thinks it's a roller coaster and he wants to get off that roller coaster right before it goes down that's not how roller coasters work if you get off right before it goes down you die because you're 200 feet up in the air so he, this is again i am exasperated by this I need to calm down. Um, no plan, no ideas, wrong perspective, too close to the markets. When I told you the market's gone up, I'm telling you, I've seen everything. I've seen higher oil. I've seen higher gold. I've seen lower oil. I've seen lower gold. None of this offends me. None of this is causing me to say this is the time to sell. Now, will there be a time where I go, I wish I would have got out? Probably. Is that going to happen today? No. Um, this market's seen much worse. We've seen the, and again, it, it was really called the Asian flu back when it was the Asian flu. We saw the Asian contagion, which was a financial flu. We've seen China rise to power. We've seen Russia lose its power. We, in the 1960s, and had Khrushchev slam a shoe down and tell Kennedy we're going to blow up America with nuclear bombs? Are you tracking me? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. This song brings tears to my eyes. 21 Pilots. I remember being 25 year old, 25 years old and having angst. I think you just heard some angst in my last segment where I got angry at an email for not understanding that NASDAQ's not having a bad year. He's just a bad stock picker. And his email ended with, I'm getting ready for the Coinbase IPO. It's going to be exciting and dangerous. Okay. He is not someone you want to get investment advice from. Do you think he's read the prospectus? Do you think he's looked at who the CEO is? You think he can name me anything other than the word Bitcoin with association? Probably not. We look at things very differently. He thinks the market's getting ready to drop and he wants out. He only wants in when it's up. I want in when it's down. And again, I've been through a housing bubble or two, the European debt crisis, 
Standard & Poor's debt downgrade, the flash crash, the cotton bubble, beans in the teens, rare earth, uranium, Ebola, the wand devaluation, zero rates, negative rates, oil at $150 a barrel, oil for free last year, COVID-19, Bitcoin, the Tesla squeeze, Volkswagen, the cannabis bubble, security stocks in 2003, the Y2K, everything's going to shut down, Ford debt downgrade, SARS, 9-11, the Iraq war, Trump's election, which was very, very um, contentious for Americans, Argentina debt problems multiple times. Argentina used to be one of the world's greatest economies, but too much focus on oil. And when oil goes up, it's great. And when oil goes down, it's bad. I've been through Puerto Rican's de Puerto Rican uh, debt problems. I've seen the Venezuelan bonds. I've seen the European banks. I've seen the long-term um, capital markets crash. I've seen the Asian financial crisis. I've seen the housing bubble cause countrywide credit, which is, it was a real freaking fracking company in my life. Bear Stearns, gone. That was a legit company. And because some politicians decided everyone should get a house, they got into they got into too much debt. They, they, they made a mistake because everyone shouldn't get a house. So he thinks if he's on the right side, on the, if he's involved in some of the trades when those things happen, that it's going to kill him. The emailer, Duke. Duke! Seems like a dog's name more so <laughs> than uh, a person, but I'm not going to go there. So he thinks he'd be finished. He thinks he'd be wiped out. He thinks he'd be wrong. The problem is, if you understand that What, what, if you miss those, he's trying to dodge a bullet. But instead of thinking about loss avoidance, you should think about opportunity cost. And maybe that's the word of the day. Go Google opportunity cost and start playing with that notion in your head. Market goes up. It hit an all-time high when I was five years old. It hit an all-time high when I was 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. I don't look as, I don't want to play the loss avoidance game. I want to play the opportunity game. Those weren't ways to lose money. The European debt crisis, housing bubble, SP debt downgrade, the US credit down, credit downgrade, the flash crash, the cotton bubble, beans in the teens, rare earths, nuclear strikes, world wars. They weren't times to sell, they were times to buy. So I'm done ranting and raving like a lunatic on that one. But I hope you see what I'm saying there, or I hope you get something out of that. I don't know if you will, because I, I think it's it's complicated. Um, New York Times did a really interesting piece on gun control today, and I'm not. It's way too complicated a situation to talk about the public opinion. But statistics, and you know, I've told you recently, I love baseball, uh, watching it on TV, and going to games. I like going to the games because you sit in the sunshine. I like watching it on TV because you can fall asleep to statistics. If you fall, if you like breathing is like, in and out. that's what I do when I watch baseball. I just start to breathe. But gun, gun violence in America kills 40,000 Americans a year. Heart disease, 650,000. That's one of the biggest killers. That is the biggest killer, right? Alzheimer's, 125,000. But 40,000 people die from guns every year in America. Fascinating statistic. Um, car accidents, 39,000. Breast cancer, 42,000. 
Liver disease, 43,000. Pancreatic cancer, 45,000. And I think we'd say they're all kind of vile, horrible things. I love the New York Times. It's one of my, oh, for the lack of better statements, I think it's a legitimate newspaper in a world with a lot of illegitimate newspapers. I'm not knocking the San Francisco Chronicle when I say this. Not worthy enough. I just think the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, um, The Economist. Start there with your education on business sections. Don't start with Washington Post is okay. Uh, Chicago Tribune is okay. LA Times, I think, has a better business section than San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, I am off track, am I not? Next hour, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Suez Canal. AstraZeneca released more data from its U.S. trial, reiterating that its COVID vaccine offered strong protection. Information strengthens the shot's scientific case, but it might not repair the company's embattled image. I'm pretty sure if I, I go to get my vaccine, I'm going to be like, if it's AstraZeneca, I'm going to pass. Just because what's happened out of Europe, it may not be true. Blood clots may be less dangerous than COVID, but that's an area where perception is reality. Other big stories of note today, a container ship nearly a quarter mile long has been stuck in the Suez Canal in Egypt since Tuesday evening, blocking a vital shipping lane. I was reading up last night that the United States at one point in time wanted to blast a canal that ran in parallel to the Suez Canal, but on the other side with Israel as a border. You know what they're going to blast that, that range to make a canal with? Over 50 nuclear bombs in the 1960s. This was our idea. <laughs> Some of the things you avoid turn out pretty good for you. Opportunity cost. Google it. I'm Rob Black. Find me at robblackshow.com.